Welcome in to another episode of the Pacers Podcast. I'm Scott Agnes. I appreciate you making time and joining me here this afternoon. This should be a good one. It's a reaction to the Pacers season that's now behind us. And after talking with Kevin Pritchard and Nate McMillan for almost an hour on Wednesday, it was a long press conference, a little post-mortem as they annually have at the Pacers facility to end the season. Now, one thing the Pacers do not do that most teams do is exit interviews with the players. So the last opportunity for us to speak with them was back on Easter Sunday after they lost in Game 4. So it's not the most ideal situation, right? It's tough to ask guys about their future after their season just ended maybe 15 minutes, 20 minutes earlier. And this is the last formal opportunity to get them on record about the season, their play, how their teammates performed, and maybe what their plans were for the summer. But we have to make the most of that situation And so that's what we did. And then 10 days later, get their thoughts and put a focus on the upcoming offseason. And I think this is a truly fascinating offseason, perhaps unpredictable. It sounds at this point like Pritchard's open to moving his pick. Maybe he wants to move up. He'll consider moving down. Another thing to consider is that the Pacers haven't had a first-round impact player all the way back since 2015 when Miles Turner joined the roster. Since then, they traded their 2016 pick for Thaddeus Young. 2017 was T.J. Leaf, and last year they were able to draft Aaron Holiday with the 23rd overall selection. But at this point, and where the franchise is at, you can make a strong case for the team to move out of that pick and instead go get already known talent that is out there, someone that they do not need to develop, those sorts of things, because they already have Victor Oladipo, they have Miles Turner under contract, there are two of your key players, they need at least one more, and then it's all about filling the gaps around those guys, it's about adding shooters, adding creators, those are the two things that Pritchard and his team are really looking to add this upcoming season, and it makes all kinds of sense, because while they were number one in scoring defense this year, they just did not have enough firepower and scoring threats on the offensive end. It's why they averaged 92 points per game in their first-round series against Boston while giving up less than 100 points per game. They just didn't have enough on the offensive end. The defense was there. And so maybe we'll see a shift in philosophy a little bit from what Pritchard and the front office are seeking and what they are also trying to add to the roster. That's an interesting point. Didn't learn too much about Victor, although Kravitz and I will get into that. But otherwise, key points will also be Can they afford Boyan Bogdanovich? And what do the Pacers decide to do about Demonis Sabonis? They don't have to do anything necessarily this offseason. He becomes extension eligible, meaning he's on the final year of his rookie contract, much like Miles Turner was last offseason, and they decided to sign him to a four-year extension. Pacers could keep him. They could try to sign him to an extension, or they could deal him for maybe one of those playmakers and creators, a point guard perhaps, that we've been talking about and Kevin Pritchard talked about as well. But anyways, let's get into my conversation with Bob Kravitz of The Athletic. I think you'll really enjoy it. And if you could, please leave us feedback on Apple Podcasts. I would appreciate it. All right, as promised, Bob Kravitz, our columnist at The Athletic Indiana, joins me. Well, Kravitz, you were there on Wednesday for the end-of-season presser. What was your biggest takeaway from the 54-minute press conference? Well, I, I was a little confused. I don't know how you feel, but I, there was part of me that felt like he wanted to try and keep the core together. At the same time, he talked about being aggressive and going after a big fish. And what the way, you know, reading between the lines, I think they're going to do what they can to keep uh, Boyan Bogdanovich. 
I think Corey Joseph is another guy who they might try and keep at the right price. Um, but I think they're going to move on to point guard. I think they're going to see what the market uh, has to bear for brings to bear for Thaddeus Young. But um, you know, I, I, I think they want to keep this team intact because they were a team that was on pace to win 53, 54 games last year before Victor got hurt. Um, at the same time, I think they're going to do some interesting things. And let's face it, you know, if they lose all their free agents, they're really going to have to rebuild around that core of uh, Victor and Holiday, Sabonis, and uh, Miles Turner. So this is how I viewed it. They want to build from the outside, get new guys, fresh faces in here. However, it may turn out they strike out or it maybe just doesn't work this offseason. And a lot of this in question is regarding Victor's status, which we don't know. Nobody really knows. And so at worst, you could always run it back, essentially, for another year um, with potentially a healthy Victor. That's kind of how I read that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't see them bringing Darren Collison back. And that's no reflection on Darren. I think, you know, they, they want... I think they need and want more players. And, and Kevin Pritchard brought this up yesterday, that guys who can really create off the dribble, uh, guys who can not only uh, find their own shots, but guys who can, um, you know, draw the defense and, and, and kick, kick to other guys and, and make plays for others. And we saw in the, uh, in the playoff series against Boston, you know, without Victor, they, they just did not have one player who could do that. Except maybe, maybe uh, Tyre. He had his Reed moments, Evans right? And, and let, let's hope we don't see him again. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I, I think they need to upgrade the talent, but I, I don't think they want to go overboard and completely rebuild something that was really coming along. And I, I truly believe this is a team that could have, uh, you know, I mean, they could, they should have been uh, gotten the home court advantage in the first round, and I think they would have won a first-round series if they could have retained the, the third seed or possibly the fourth. Yeah, they'd be in the current situation right now where they're <laughs> probably the three seed ahead of Philadelphia if things right. worked out to what we expected and as they were projected to go on there. Um, I, I agree with you. I think point guard position is where it all begins, and I think that's an obvious area. It seems like Aaron Holiday is ready to be plugged in as that backup point guard or off-guard yes. position. He just fell in line, and that line was behind a couple of guys last year, plus a Tyreek and others. So I think he's poised to kind of find a greater role within the offense, and he's one of those to an extent that can be a playmaker and, and penetrate and create on the dribble. Oh, there's no question. I, I Look, his time is going to come. I I thought that, um, that he should have played. I don't think it would have had any impact on the outcome of the series, but I would have liked to have seen him play more in the Boston series. But Nate, you know, he's he's an old head, and he likes to go with his 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 veterans. Um, but I, if you're going into the next season saying Aaron Holiday is our starting point guard, I don't think you're a 50 win team necessarily. Uh, I think they need to upgrade there. And you know, we've mentioned Kemba Walker. Or I've mentioned Kemba Walker. <laughs> but you know, if they if they can upgrade that position through trade or through free agency, that's going to be key. And you know, look, you know, they said they're going to go after big fish, but, you know, let's be honest, how many free agents, top free agents, have come to Indianapolis over the years? And the only semi-big name that I can come up with is the David West. And we both know David West is a different kind of cat. 
you know, he's a guy, he's very family oriented. Uh, he's a stay at home guy. So um, it's going to be difficult for them to, to get those big fish. And I think a lot of it is going to be, have to happen through uneven trades because this team is 43 to $46 million under the, uh, under the cap. Yeah, the interesting thing and the reality is they can go after them. It doesn't mean you're going to you're going to get a bite and you're going to be able to hook one back here. One thing I know they always are seeking out, teams are always seeking out is trying to pinpoint that guy on another team that's just not used right and maybe he's not being exploited. And obviously Oladipo and Sabonis immediately come to mind there um of guys and bogey yeah, Bogey as well. He, and that was also, though, more of a, just getting an opportunity. Right, um, right. He came here and was thrusted this year into a much greater role, and I think by all standards exceeded what we all had expected. I know for me, I just purely expected that guy on the wing who can knock down a shot, and he, he became what I've said is a competent defender and then a guy that's a threat away from the ball. I thought he would be Doug McDermott with an accent, honestly. <laughs> I mean, I, I thought that uh, – that yeah. was all he had to his game. Now, I, admittedly, I didn't see him play very much uh, in Washington or, or New Jersey, but, um, you know, he, he's turned into a heck of a play. He made himself a whole lot of money this year. Good he, for him. I know. That, that's the greatest thing for him right now, but it's the worst thing now for the Pacers moving forward because he was only earning $10.5 To me and you, that's amazing money, but for him, that might be half price coming July. Oh, absolutely, and... You know, look, the Pacers are financially uh, in good enough shape where they can bring back Bogey, but, you know, I, I think they've got to be smart about it. Um, you know, you can't overpay, but unfortunately in in, in free agency, and, and look, you know, they're not going to be able to, if they don't keep Bogey, who are they going to get in free agency who can, mm-hmm. who can give them what Bogey gave them, right? So... I think there's a higher place on, on keeping your own guys in, in-house. It's funny we mentioned other all-stars or other key guys around the league that would make sense. The trouble is, do you want to tie up all the cap space? And guys like Mike Conley, that's $32 million. Um, Drew Holiday's $25 million. Those guys are on poor teams that are starting over. That would be great fits, I think, here. I think there would be awesome fits. And, yes, you do. Uh, you are. I mean, look, I uh, – how long are you going to wait? You know, I mean, Herb Simon's 80 years old. Um, you know, what's the point in waiting for three, four years down the line? I think there is a window here with Oladipo, you know, heading into into his best years with a young Sabonis, a young Miles Turner. Um, Holiday, hopefully, we'll see what TJ Leaf can do, hopefully, down the road. But I think there's, there's a window here. It's the post-LeBron era, and... You know, I, I think there's a chance uh, for the Pacers to be serious players in the Eastern Conference, but they're going to have to, um, you know, they may have to overpay, whether that's bringing in uh, a Drew Holiday um, or uh, retaining a Bogdanovich or both. One of the more fascinating comments, Bob, I thought was Pritchard maybe realizing or finally speaking it into existence that maybe offense is more important than defense, what this franchise has always been known for. They were first in scoring defense, but when it came in the offseason, or postseason, I should say, they could only manage yeah. an average of 92 points per game, and that just wasn't enough. Do you think maybe we'll see a shift in the type of player this franchise brings in or tries to bring in? Yeah, I, look, they're, they're looking for creators, and I, I just think the Boston series 
um, pounded that point home for them. I, I think they realized, you know, Boston just has, they've just got so many guys who can create offense off the dribble. Um, and, and look, the Pacers have that one guy and that's Oladipo. So, you know, I, I think they hope to be better offensively without, um, you know, compromising their defensive stance. But um, they clearly, when you average, what, 92 points a game in a playoff series, I mean, they held Boston, what, 20 points under their average? Yeah, and the, I think the they playoffs. only scored 100 and they points. Got, and, in the and they four- got whacked by in four games. So right. what does that tell you? I, I think in today's NBA, you do need – you know, look, the Pacers – are a high percentage shooting three point team, but they don't take very many. And I think that needs to change as well. I don't think you're ever going to see the day when they're like Houston, you know, and Eric Gordon's jacking up, you know, deep threes early in the shot clock. But I do think they want to see guys who are going to be able to knock that shot down uh, with greater frequency. The only team that attempted fewer threes was no, by no surprise, San Antonio. Pacers right. are 29th despite making um, uh, the fifth best percentage. So, yeah, that needs to be elevated as well. To the end, Bob, of the offense, how would you feel about the Pacers needing or seeking out an offensive-type coordinator to bring in? How much do you think that would also bolster the offense? Well, you know, I like the idea. It's, I, I have to be honest. It's not something that I've thought about before. But, I mean, you remember the old days with Larry Bird when he had Rick Carlisle. Is kind of the offensive coordinator and Dick Harder as a defensive coordinator. Um, you know, I, I would defer to you on that. I'd like to know your thoughts, but I, I think that that uh, would be a good idea. Um, you know, not not knowing. I mean, I know Dan Burke obviously is is a defensive guy, but maybe they do need a new voice uh, and, and new X's and new O's. Um, if they if they plan to really change their offense around, I don't think that would be such a bad idea. Because look, Nate is a defense first guy, and he always will be. That and he's the game manager, so I think it would be right. incredibly helpful to at least look into bringing that offensive coordinator who could help shape it a little bit more. Because I, I think their creativity lacked a little bit offensively. And they, how many times did we hear them talk about it being stagnant and doing things? And that's, I think, where another voice could come in and help shape it in a different form. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think, I think if they could find the, uh, you know, uh, a Mike D'Antoni type of person, uh, you know, in, uh, among among assistant coaches, I think that would be a fabulous addition to this team. So what do you think of Victor, both in terms of him choosing to rehab away from the team and also just the uncertainty surrounding his health as today he's just over three months removed from surgery? Yeah, I mean, I don't think we got a lot of answers. And, I, I you know, yesterday with uh, with uh, Pritchard, and I, I think they probably learned from the Colts and the Andrew Lux situations, don't put timetables on these things. Uh, I mean, you'd hope that Victor would be ready for training camp. Uh, clearly, it's, you know, we saw with Gordon Hayward how long it's been, how long it took before he found his legs again this this year. And I think it's going to take uh, Victor some time, too. You know, but, you know, you have to operate under the assumption that he's going to be back uh, at some point uh, early next season at, at the very latest. Um, but you're going to have to surround him with better people. I, I wrote the day of the game for a loss that uh, they need another all-star or all-star caliber player to take some of the pressure off of Vic 
But uh, I, I don't think we know a hell of a lot more about Vic's status today than we did yesterday. No, and you could tell Kevin Pritchard read that and maybe some other articles because he, he let off his answer about all that and was like, I know you guys want to know how we can get a all-star and, and upgrade that area. I was like, yep, well, if, if it's obvious. Well, if he's the athletic, I'm a happy man. <laughs> Absolutely, and if others have not subscribed, they need to do so um, here soon. Kravitz, would you say it's it's fair that I believe this will be the biggest challenge, the biggest test for Kevin Pritchard now in his third year as president. Obviously, the Paul George deal, I think that was the most scrutinized. That was under the the largest watch because the caliber of player that Paul was and he was trying to get back for him. But I I think this is a real opportunity, as he said, um, that we'll be evaluating here in a year or two. Well, you know, I mean, I'll disagree with you a little bit. I I think, you know, the way they were put in the corner – and, and forced to make the deal uh, when they really didn't have much leverage uh, was probably the biggest challenge that he's had or that he's going to have. But there's a lot that goes into going from, and there's a book out called From Good to Great. And they need to go from good to damn good to really damn good <laughs> to great. So there's a couple of steps there. I just, that's my new book title. And uh, I think this is just one heck of an opportunity for them uh, where uh, you know there's going to be a lot of turnover. I would suspect that you know this team, you know maybe 50 percent of the guys or fewer are back uh, on the on the Pacers roster next year, and they do have significant uh, cap room. So you know I think we might see a little bit more of the old Wheeler Dealer. I think so Kevin too. Pritchard. Yeah. He said that he's learned. Uh, from his Phoenix days, the importance of continuity and not just making trades to make trades. But I think he's in a situation now where, depending on how many guys he's able to retain among his own free agents, I do believe that he's going to be very, very aggressive and very, very active, not only in free agency, but in the trade market. Yeah, to that end, I think it was during the trade deadline every year in Portland, he made some kind of deal. And now the Pacers don't ordinarily do anything, and they haven't um, the last couple of trade deadlines. So I think he understands there's a good line between there, and maybe he does need to shore up and make a couple moves, but he doesn't need to go wild like he used to. Right. And, you know, at the trade deadline, after they had lost Victor, I heard a lot of people saying, well, you know, move this guy, move that guy. He's in the final year of his contract, basically tank the rest of the season. Yeah. Well, my question would be, you know, who could you move? You know, uh, who's, who's really valuable besides maybe Boyan. And if a team knows that you're going to become a free agent at the end of the year, why in God's name would you make a deal for him now? If you think you can get him later. So, um, you know, I just don't I, – I think they did the right thing by standing pat and just adding Wes, Wesley Matthews because they needed a body. But going back, I just don't know how they could have done it different in retrospect. Yeah, the one positive for another team would have been um, – then they would have, I believe, received the bird rights of a guy like Boyan. So it would have made it sure. uh, more easily um, for them but to who, resign who else, them. Who else could they have moved? I mean – is there a, a huge hue and cry for Darren Collison? I don't think so. Um, you know, you think, you know, uh, Kojo, uh, uh, Thad Young. I mean, I think they're all very valuable players, but I don't know if they're guys that people are, are pining for 
elsewhere in the league. You mentioned Thad Young, and I thought it was a little bit notable that he went unmentioned really yesterday outside of getting credit for um, being reliable and always yeah. being out there and, and leadership. Did you read into anything like that, or maybe they're just trying to, to be quiet uh, about their interest or anything? Yeah, I think that might be being quiet. I, I think there just wasn't any question asked about it, about him specifically. Um, you know, we did ask him uh, about Boyan, and, and he made it clear that he was top priority. I think that's a fair appraisal of his response. But, you know, I think that is one of those is a 50-50 proposition. Last year, the market decided to come back to Indy. I think he'll do the same thing. He's probably got one big payday left in his career. So, you know, nobody can blame him for uh, for looking elsewhere and looking for that big payday. But I think, and you know him better than I do, you've written some really wonderful stories about him. He uh, he is a family guy, and he's, he's not a guy who needs the bright lights in the big city to be happy. So I'd be perfectly satisfied. I'm not sitting here saying they need to drastically upgrade the uh, – or position, but um, you know, I so I don't read too much to it. I I can say that Boyan is the first priority, but I I do think that that is an important part of this team. And if he comes back, uh, I don't think anybody will grouse about it. Yeah, I think they know his value, and he probably knows his. If he gets some offer that he's blown away by, I think he would take it. Not necessarily oh, he's expecting absolutely. it, and that's why. Um, he did Absolutely. opt in for I this mean, last season. He? Yeah, and he's also, as you said, he, he values all of that. Um, he's a guy that's he values a functional franchise and, and where he doesn't deal with tanking and he doesn't deal with uh, corrupted or tension within a front office. He appreciates that stability. And so I think as, mm-hmm. as long as the Pacers have some cap space and he, ha- he doesn't have a significant offer elsewhere, I think that makes a lot of sense. I do too. I do too. And, uh, but that's an area where they're going to have to, they're going to have to continue. They're going to have to find more bodies, you know, uh, TJ leaf. We don't know about, uh, obviously, you know, I mean, Sabonis, Sabonis is a wonderful player who wants a big role. Let me, let me throw this out at you. So do you think, and this has been, uh, written here in Indianapolis and I'm kind of, kind of going back and forth on it. Do you think they need to trade either Domas or Miles in order to get the kind of player they want in here at another position? I, I am mm. disinclined to do it because I think both guys are incredibly valuable, and I think you can bring in um, the kind of player you want through free agency uh, or more likely a, a, a trade. But do you do you think that they should use one of those two guys as trade bait? This is such a fascinating question, um, to be honest. I mean, what I don't like is the response we got from Kevin in that good players figure it out because he said that about this time last year, and it yeah. really wasn't figured out. I think they played maybe an average of six and a half minutes together per game and were outscored right. when they were on the floor together. So based on the, the sample size that is relatively small, it's less than 500 minutes in, in a season, I, I, they haven't shown that they can figure it out. But again, maybe if you figure out a way to retool the offense a little bit, maybe bringing mm-hmm. in other guys is, is interesting. But at the same time, it's a little bit in that they have two similar guys playing the same position, and do you really want to tie up 
say $40 million per year starting. It would be not this year, but the next on two, two centers. centers. And that's yeah, the biggest I, question. I look at, I look at miles as more of a, really a, a four slash five, you know, to me, Domas is, is more of a, more of a true five. Uh, although those don't really exist in today's game anymore, but I don't know. I, I, I think, I think it is a fascinating question and, and I'm not sure that uh, I have a real answer for it yet. The fact that they can't get those big fish in free agency suggests to me, and now maybe I'm just talking myself into it, <laughs> but that suggests to me that maybe they do need to move one of those guys if they want to make a deal to bring in, you know, uh, the, the the wing they want or the or the or the point guard that they want. It's it's a very intriguing situation. Yeah, because I haven't done whether it would work or not. But what if you threw something like Aaron Holiday and Sabonis or Turner for Drew Holiday or Mike Conley or something like that and your first round Hello. pick maybe. Is that too much, you know? Some those type of things is what you consider, I think. Yeah, I mean that's something that I would certainly think about. Um, you know, I I I think he's got I think he's got the goods, um, but you know, uh, like I say, this team, uh, the window is is open, um, and and I think you've got to you've you've got to do something uh, sooner rather than later. You know, I think uh, you know, uh, I I think they're going to do what they have to do. And you know, if you if you're asking me, are there is there any area where they can afford to to move a guy? Clearly, it's either Domas or Miles, and uh, you know that's something they would need to think really long and hard about. All right, Bob, I got to get going here. I appreciate you jumping on with me, and I'm sure we'll continue right, this conversation uh, here in the next couple of months. I appreciate it. Okay, sounds good. That's Bob Kravitz of The Athletic, my colleague there. Glad to have him on board with us. And if you haven't done so already, first of all, subscribe to The Athletic to read all of our work. And even if you're not, uh, say, a Colts fan, maybe you're a Bears fan, maybe you like the Vikings or you're a big baseball fan and like Kansas City or the Dodgers, the best thing about The Athletic is you get everything with just one subscription that costs less than one latte per month. So go ahead and subscribe. Join us over at The Athletic. We'd love to have you. And also, if you haven't done so already, for this specific podcast, subscribe on your favorite podcast player, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can listen to both new and archived episodes. That will do it for this episode of the Pacers Podcast. I'll talk to you again soon.